Get ready for all the craziness of small business. It's exactly that craziness that makes it exciting and totally unbelievable. Small Business Radio is now on the air with your host, Barry Moltz. Well, thanks for joining this week's radio show. Remember, this is the final word in small business. Today, as I've been doing since the beginning of the pandemic, I'm recording this from my home to your small business. For those keeping track, this is now show number 674. This episode is provided by Nice Job, the amazing tool that can make it easy to build more reviews to grow your small business. To get started, go to www.nicejob.com and use the code Barry and get $50 off. Well, how can small business owners today do more with less? Tamara Scott is a managing editor at the Technology Advice and smallbusinesscomputing.com. She writes about marketing, productivity, technology for small businesses. Tamara, welcome to the show. Hi, Barry. Thanks so much for having me. It seems that we have to do more with less this year, especially with problems in the supply chain, getting people, and also with raising prices. It seems like it's a double, yeah. it's a triple whammy. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and you know, there's a lot of ways that small businesses can do more with less. Um, a lot of automation options out there, a lot of outsourcing options. And so finding the one that's really right for your company and what you're trying to do is really key right now. So let's start with outsourcing because a lot of folks, especially in service level businesses, can't find folks to actually uh, you know, fill certain positions. I know I'm at our local uh, Walgreens pharmacy and it used to be open from like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And yeah. because I can't find people, it's open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. with a 30 minute lunch. You know, for a lot of yeah. folks, where do I find uh, people to outsource to? Are these freelancers? Are these, um, uh, you know, from uh, job companies? What am I doing? Um, you know, I'm finding that a lot of companies are really uh, having some uh, success with freelancers who are sort of cobbling together their own sorts of small businesses by um, doing uh, the jobs that we consider to be virtual assistant jobs. Um, I work with uh, one client's uh, sort of doing freelance consulting who loves teaching at his guitar studio, but, uh, you know, figuring out all the stuff on his website is just a little bit, um, he has to have too much uh, technical knowledge to really do it well. So um, we started having him work with a woman who can write blog posts for him, schedule social media posts for him, and that lets him focus on his uh, teaching and building courses in the ways that grow his business. Um, those freelancers, you can find them on, you know, Upwork and uh, through um, online job boards and things like that. But you can also really look within your community, find uh, people that you know who have skills that you need. And what do these kind of people cost? Am I going to pay more than a full-time employee because it's only part-time? Or since they're freelance, I'm going to pay them less? Uh, I think it really depends. Um, if you go the route of having um, someone on board who's willing to learn as they go, they might be charging a little bit less. Um, but if you are looking for someone with a lot of experience who's just going to take care of it for you, um, your contract may be a little bit higher. Um, and, and that's, of course, how all uh, freelancer agency works, right? Yeah, I mean, and you got to try to find the right people. And I think that, you know, personal referrals are always the best. But of course, going to Upwork yes. and finding someone that, you know, has a lot of really good reviews, you know, can can help. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I was fortunate that, you know, seven years ago, I found someone that way. And, you know, we've been working together ever since. So it can start a, a great relationship. Um, yeah. But there are a lot of resources that are available out there. You've mentioned uh, automation. 
Where do I start with automation? Everyone says, oh, you got to use technology, you got to leverage technology. And for a lot of small business owners, it's scary because they don't know a lot about technology and they don't know actually where to start or implement it that can really improve their business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would suggest starting in two different places. First, the software that you currently use. So you might be using QuickBooks. Um, A form of automation is just connecting your bank accounts and your credit card accounts so that the information flows into your accounting software automatically. And then you have all of that information there that you can uh, check over instead of entering it yourself. On the other hand, if you want to go, you know, 201 instead of just 101 level, um, you might go to a uh, automation tool like Zapier or IFTTT, which is if this, then that. um, And they have ready built automations that you can scroll through. So if perhaps you have someone who fills out a Google form from your website uh, saying that they're interested in your product, that Google form can then be, or the the Google sheet that it connects to, can then be connected to an email that you automatically send to your customer um, so that you don't have to check that Google sheet every single day and follow up. Um, So little uh, automations like that can really save you a bunch of time and get you started. Um, because it does sound big and scary. Uh, but once you see the power of automation on little things like that, you can, um, start building more and more. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of connecting different systems, you know, inside your small Mm -hmm. business, because I think we do spend a lot of time transferring information over. And the one where you talk about, you know, connecting QuickBooks or Zoho or whatever you use for mm-hmm. your uh, for, for your accounting system, that's really important. It also make people more likely to reconcile their their books every single month, <laughs> and so they can have correct financial statements. And also, linking various uh, applications inside your company is important because when a customer comes into your company, you want to make sure that you have a single view of that customer, right? Not a different yes. view in every single system, right? Right. And that their customer experience is smooth and uh, interconnected. And so that they're not receiving three different emails from three different systems um, so that they feel like you've got it together from that first contact. Um, So many customers drop off because they either get five emails from you that first day or zero emails from you that first day um, as follow-up and finding that sort of magic middle number um, can really be the difference between keeping a new customer. Tamara, what about in the area of marketing? Because I find a lot of small business owners either do nothing or they make a big push and they don't like the results and then they do nothing again. (laughs) How can I do something consistently that doesn't really cost a lot of resources? Oh, I love that you asked this. Um, What I like to recommend is that you find the type of marketing that you like to do. So if you are a words person, you might be really interested in starting a newsletter or writing blog posts. Um, Because if you communicate through writing, then yeah, you should be using writing to market your business. Um, But if if you're not really into writing, but you can find that you um, speak really well with customers and you can sell really well to customers or you can explain your product really well verbally, try video. Um, If you spend a lot of time on Twitter, that's where you should be marketing. You shouldn't try to force your marketing into this little box that you think you should be doing. Um, There's so many options out there right now Um, that doing something that you hate doing as far as marketing is concerned is 
it's it's unnecessary. And I love the idea, pick something that you enjoy or you're good at. And I really believe you have to consistently do it over a long period of time. I mean, I started this oh, radio yeah. show 13 years ago with one guest and I've done it, you know, every single week for that period of time. And I think that's what any kind of marketing takes is consistency. It's not just a one shot and done. Right, right. And if you hate doing it, you're not going to do it consistently. If you if you uh, avoid writing that blog post every week, you're going to find a reason to avoid writing it forever. Um, so finding something that works with your current system or works with uh, the things that you like to do will help you be consistent. Um, but then once you can build that consistency, you have to promote. Uh, one of the things that marketers or small business owners who don't consider themselves to be marketers uh, make a mistake of doing is writing a blog post and putting it up on their website and just hoping that the uh, audience will come with it. Um, but if nobody knows it's there, they're not going to come and read it. Right. If I so, build it, they will come, right? Yeah. No, they won't. They, 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 they just don't. They really, they, they no, really they don't. don't. I, I think yeah. the other the other idea of doing something that's cost a lot of money is workflows in your business. Because I find that mm -hmm. too many small business owners, it's an improvisation every single day. And I believe that you should work on processes in your business, especially with high people turnover. So all that knowledge of what goes on in your business doesn't walk out with the latest employee. Yes, yes, absolutely. And having not only a process, but having it written down, having it documented in the software that you use or um, in a place that's not going to get lost is incredibly important. There's a lot of fancy workflow tools out there that um, can also you can also build automations into. Um, but just having that simple process document is going to get you a very long way. Um, I <laughs> this is. This is very exciting to talk about for me because I love writing process documents. I love giving step-by-step -step instructions and incredibly detailed instructions. Now um, I know who to call. <laughs> sure, absolutely. I'd be happy to do it. Um, but yeah, writing those process documents in a way that uh, somebody can follow step-by-step -step and you know the customer stories or so nobody has to talk to anyone while they're following that process that you could just hand it over to the next person that comes in and they can follow step by step. It's really detailed work, but it pays off big time. Um, especially if, you know, the marketer that you might be working with or whoever's running your social media, uh, suddenly, you know, disappears tomorrow or gets a, um, another job. And if you don't know how to do it, they better have written down those processes and written down those workflows. And I think it's a lot easier for a new person to come in and then follow those processes and they won't get as frustrated. And the reason that people don't stay in jobs is I found is they don't have enough training. And so they just leave yeah. and they go do something else. So that would help that in this area as well. The last question I wanted to ask you, Tamara, was about data analytics, because so many people talk about data analytics. What kinds of things should I be looking at in my small business and analyzing so I can serve my customers better and have more success? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> We all love those uh, vanity metrics, right? How many people or the traffic to our website or the um, number of likes on our social media posts um, and even the uh, top line revenue numbers are really exciting because they look good, they make us feel good, we get that little dopamine hit. But something that is harder to focus on um, let's say if you've got a website with lead forms is not just the traffic numbers, but how many people are actually converting um, and what percentage of people are converting and why and 
how that's, of course, after you get those numbers, you can figure out the why and how they are or are not converting and what you can do to improve that. Um, on the technology advice blog a couple of years ago, we did a really simple test, which was put our call to action after the first paragraph. So um, instead of all the way down at the very bottom of the blog post, we put a call to action at the bottom of the first paragraph. Suddenly we were getting so many more leads, um, so many more conversions to that call to action. And it was like, oh, well, this is, you know, it should have been uh, common sense. You want to put it up really early. You want to put that call to action where people can see it. But we just thought, oh, everybody is going to want to read our full blog post. Of course, it's so uh, informative. They're going to read it all the way through. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. What I have to say is really interesting. I don't know if you know this, Barry, but... Um, and so, of course, you're going to want to read it. Uh, but no, uh, people come for the information that they need. And if your call to action is going to be really helpful for them, put it up higher. Um, and we like we did a little test. We got the data to back that up, that the conversions went up on that blog post. We uh, implemented that across a couple other blog posts, saw those conversions go up, and then we implemented it across the blog. Um, and then our other vanity metrics, like our revenue and our MQLs also went up as well. So that was very exciting. I mean, it's a great example. Well, thanks for being on the show. Where can people learn more about what you're up to and what you're doing? Sure. Uh, so I write... Uh, primarily for technologyadvice.com um, and also edit over on smallbusinesscomputing.com. Um, and then you can always find me on Twitter at T Scotty. And uh, that's pretty much it. Well, thanks for joining us. This is AM820 WCPT in Chicago. Be right back. NiceJob.com can get the reputation that your business deserves. NiceJob's automated reputation marketing tools are easy to use and super effective. Collect two to three times more customer reviews and have the ability to share the social proof where it matters most. If you're looking to grow your small business, visit https colon slash slash nicejob.grsm.io slash Barry. Use the coupon code Barry and get $50 off a nice job review plan. Stick around to get your small business unstuck. More of Small Business Radio with Barry Moltz. Now on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Well, how can technology drive innovation at your company? Here to help is Amir Jafari, who's the CFO at Plastic, an intelligent payments platform. Prior to Plastic, Amir was the CFO for Reputation.com, where he led the accounting, finance, IR, and legal teams, helping to grow the company despite it being a pandemic year. Amir, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be on. Well, we've actually done some pretty incredible things, I think, this year, despite it being a pandemic year. How are things going for your small business customers? Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's actually the, probably the forefront where it's put much more emphasis on the need for innovation and then making sure that people understand what innovation means for small businesses. Very different answer than what it means for bigger companies or enterprises. So good year. And I think we're just at the beginning of it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, we've always seen that technology drives innovation. I mean, one of my favorite examples, of course, is, you know, uh, you know, Uber and Lyft versus the taxis, that they were the first ones really to develop the technology where people could get picked up at a given place using GPS and not have to call a, a taxi. What are some of your favorite examples that you've seen in industries where technology really has driven some innovations that we just take for advantage, we just take for granted every day? Well, I think, again, the consumer ones are always the best ones. The ability to rent space in your house the way Airbnb has allowed you to do. The consumer ones are always going to be the most, the, the, they resonate the most with what we do because it's just part of our day to day. I think where we'd love to focus though is on, if you think about small and medium businesses, they have two different challenges. One is, are they able to stay afloat just because of the state of the economy and customers coming in? 
But the second, and probably the one that I'm the more interested in because of my role at Plastic is, how do we actually help them truly automate some of the things that they should be automating, things that they don't want to do, don't need to do, and things that I actually give them their time back and their ability to focus more on their customers. So with that, if you think about historically writing checks or being able to open an envelope to scan an invoice, those are things that don't need to happen anymore. And we can talk about that in more detail. Yeah, they don't need to happen, but unfortunately, so many people in me are still doing them. And that's that's, right. that's what I think about when it comes to small business. There's so many roadblocks to actually going out and collecting money from your customers or paying bills. What has the fintech industry done over the last several years really to make it easier for small business owners? Well, I think it started with just the, the overall democratization of, of choice as it pertains to how we handle payments. And then to the point you made, which we sh- I think we should definitely come back to, many companies don't, don't you know, everything's automated today if you think about the world of accounts payable or payments automation, which is what we're focused on. But yet for small, medium businesses, it's something that they've lagged in and it's because it's been difficult to actually bring that technology to them. And it has no fault to do with the small businesses. It's been because we needed companies like Plastic to be focused on this and be to bring that innovation. So FinTech first, the broad democratization, it's, it's what happened with the PayPal Venmos. You take Plastic that actually allows you to pay any of your vendors anywhere in the world with any credit card, that's democratization. It also allows you to, to accept payments from any customer without you having to pay the fee for what card they choose. That's freedom of choice. That, that allows you things that help you manage your cash flow, that help you drive automation along the way. It's not just a, it's not one singular point. It's many touch points that we have to, to kind of automate throughout the cycle. You know, a lot of small business owners have heard this idea that AI is really going to help them in this area. But what does that mean? Well, you know, again, with all due respect to AI, and I'm not, um, I'm probably not a qualified engineer to speak to it. I'd like to just bring it down to, to terminology that I understand. So across the spectrum of intelligence or artificial intelligence, there are just things that, that sometimes people will call robotics or sometimes people will call machine learning. If you just, if we put all that lingo away, there, think about what technology is intended to do is to take several of the mundane, repetitive tasks that we have where machines can read documents or actually can give us alerts, as an example, or maybe even tell us intelligently a predictive insight or this is what you should pay or know that these bills are coming before they've even come to you. That's the spectrum of intelligence that I think small businesses are, are dying for. And again, partially why we exist. And, and so where do you think the small business owner, Amir, should start in trying to make it easier and less risky to collect money from their customers? Well, it's twofold. I think it's really the entire cash flow cycle. And the reason is if, you're, if your customer is your, your North Star, which it should be, the first is making sure that you give them up the best service possible so they return. That's the biggest. But more so is small businesses probably suffer from the challenges of of cash flow, not of not having funds, but of the timing of funds. And so if you think about how do you automate and how do you get more efficiency through the ability to manage how you pay your vendors, meaning the inventory you put on your shelves, if you're a company that deals with goods or different things that you might do if you're in the services industry, and then how do you get your, your payments collected as fast as possible so it really puts you in a positive cash cycle position? And this is becoming even more important than ever as folks are dealing with this whole supply chain issue. Many small business owners are dealing this by ordering more inventory. So they have to manage the payments of the inventory a lot more carefully than perhaps a year they did before. That, again, exactly right. And if you think about it, you, you would, I think for a lot of the folks that probably made bigger bets on the inventory cycle are going to have far more lucrative, in essence, uh, months ahead of them in terms of their top line. Because if you're a small, medium shop that owns any type of store that has to, to put things on the shelf, well, at some point, if you haven't ordered the right inventory to actually put it on the shelf, when you sell out because you're a successful small business, if there's nothing to replenish it, you're going to run into this issue again. And this is where companies like Plastic can come in because of what we do, how we help you utilize the ability to make payments, lower that cash cycle. And it really gets it to the point you're making, Barry, which is Supply chain shortages right now have really just overemphasized the need for how should small business owners, which I think, uh, again, have this challenge that's unique to them versus bigger companies, handle this type of situation. You know, and a lot of small business owners have shied away from doing business internationally or with people they don't know, and it is a worldwide market. How can I reduce the risk of making sure that I do get paid in funds that I can use, or when I pay a bill, I make sure that I get credited that I actually paid it? 
as a CFO, I tell you, I think most people think of CFOs as, as maybe being the frugal person within any type of company. And I recognize not all SMBs have CFOs dedicated, but I think every entrepreneur as the head of their business is a CFO. And so the, the real answer is that CFOs worry about risk more than anything. And fintech actually plays a great role in this ability to mitigate risk. Because in the world of fintech, we can give you reassurances for how we've pulled funds or how we're paying funds. Because fintechs have the capability to run credit checks and credit scoring. They have the ability to do things that are far more different than historically writing a, a manual check. So there's an entire element of risk and much more so how much risk we're able to alleviate from the entire small businesses that I think technology is just beginning to do. So how does plastic help you alleviate that risk, Amir? Well, I think one of the points you brought up is a great one. So let's say that any company wants to pay a vendor that's in Taiwan. If you pay that vendor that's in Taiwan and you pay them in a historical manner that is maybe a little antiquated, you won't know whether or not those funds got there for sure. When you pay through plastic, as an example, you have the assurance that you know that those funds are going to be distributed through our system. We have an entire risk engine that's really spread across all of our customers. And so you have a better reassurance that those funds are going to be received by that end party. And the faster that those funds are received by that end party, the faster you are likely to get your goods in receipt, right? The, the faster they'll ship them to you. The sh it really reduces your inventory cycle, if you think about it. So that's just one process. And that's how you pay. Plastic also offers the ability to take funds and accept funds. And if you think about the ability to accept funds, historically, you would see, you know, checks underneath the small business owners uh, kind of desktop or where the, the the register used to be. I'm definitely aging myself. But now today, when you make a digital right. payment, yeah, you want to make sure that the that you're not going to be one of those checks that was under that, that little sliver of glass. You want to be able to make sure that in the moment, that's similar to going to a Whole Foods as an example and just kind of holding your thumb to to your fingerprint sensor, that we're able to distribute those funds to you. Or again, that's where plastic comes in because we're able to handle that where we take care in of the risk elements of it. We even take care of whether or not you have to pay the credit card fees, which is what really makes us unique and special in, in the ways that we are. But that is, again, a part of what fintechs are starting to provide. So, you know, I've been trying to pitch this whole cash flow message to small business owners for a lot of years because I think folks think that, well, if I'm making, if I have sales, it means I'm making money, it means making a profit. And I believe, Amir, that every business goes out of business for the same, for one reason, that's cash flow. What's the best way for uh, small business owners to appreciate how important the idea of cash flow is? Well, without a positive cash flow cycle, meaning the, the ability to not just manage how you sell, but also how you replenish inventory, how you, in essence, handle your end-to-end -end flow for how you pay your vendors, that's the that's the more detailed part of the equation that I think causes certain small businesses to fall out of our economy. The just having higher sales versus inventory isn't it's not that simple. You have to be able to actually manage the flow, the inflow of inventory that's coming in, the ability to replenish your shelves, paying your vendors, while also accepting funds and making sure you do that in a positive manner. That's what's missing. And so small business owners, they have so much going on today. These are people who wear four or five hats just to run their companies. The ability to leverage technology should actually reduce some of the historical maybe forfeiture rates or bankruptcy rates that we've seen for small businesses in the past because we'll allow you to, in essence, do a better job of managing your cash cycle. It's what we do with Plastic. We enable payments. We allow you to accept. But end-to-end, -end, along those lines, too, we also drive automation. And so it allows you to spend more time with your customers, and it creates a better equation for small businesses altogether. And again, I, what, I, what I try to get across to a lot of small business owners, if you work hard on the process now and the process of automation, Amir, it will save you time later. Because too many small business owners say, well, I don't have time really to work on that. But it is a savings later on because it's almost like you set it and you let it do it work for you. Yes, absolutely. Many, I couldn't agree with you more in the sense that if you have a desire to build a business that's going to be for five, 10, hopefully multiple decades to come and something that gets passed down to, to the family lines. The ability to drive automation is, is almost like a, a embedded returns in terms of profitability for yourself and for, for the enterprise, the companies that, that are part of the small business that people run. And so the, this whole notion as to, look, it's too small, I, I think that's highly mistaken. I think it's been too difficult to roll out. That makes sense because historically technology was very enterprise focused. It's taken companies like Plastics to come out and really put the emphasis on on how do we drive payment automation that's actually tailor fit or, or configured to a small business, which is very different. That's what it takes. And people should really start going after that space and understanding 
that I don't need to hire an accountant. You should hire the accountant for different reasons, but more so you, should, you shouldn't have to hire an accountant just to open envelopes and scan invoices. Have have him or her do more value-added services. Have the machines do what is, again, repetitive, mundane, where we can add value, where we could drive monetization for the SMBs that are across this entire uh, economy. That, that's where I think people should, should focus on. You know, one statistic that Plastic has made me aware of is that only 12% of businesses accept credit cards today. To me, that's an astoundingly low number. It is, I think, because when we first have the perception of credit card acceptance, we think about it as going to our, our local downtown and we think about it as us as consumers being able to use a credit card. And, and, and that's a very different scenario than what we're talking about and what that stat really, in essence, highlights for the entire world. The ability for small businesses to pay their vendors via a credit card is still it, it's it's something that is very, very unique and it doesn't exist. Hence why it says it's only 12 percent. And I think different stats will tell you it's even less likely than that. Yet we know credit card adoption is is critical in the consumer side for how you and I just act on our day to day lives. And so it feels wrong and it feels outdated that it's still not part of the norms of how small businesses would treat their own payment cycles for their vendors, as an example. And yep, it's a great stat. And I think it really, to be honest with you, that stat, I've had the opportunity to work at very large companies. That stat holds true at large companies and as it does at small companies. So, so what do you think the solution is, Amir? Well, again, if you take a step back, there's parts of what your business does today where you likely hold something like an Intuit or some sort of solution that in essence um, captures all your data, which is fine, but that's not where the focus should be. There are companies like Plastic that are focused on payment automation, where what it would do is help you do a better job of managing your end-to-end -end cash flow. Specifically, what that means is we'll handle the payments. We'll give you the freedom of choice of what credit card you want to put it on or direct payments from your bank account. We can also handle accept, which means the ability to accept payments. And those fees don't always have to be paid by you the way that it's historically been handled. You might choose, based on the type of business that you have, to, to pass those fees on to me, the consumer, as an example, so that it's not, so you might have tighter margins and it may not make sense for you. And then while you're doing that, make sure you focus on the back office. Make sure you drive automation through, as I mentioned, the ability to have a glance of all your cash balances in one location, workflows. If I run four or five different uh, brick and mortar shops or e-commerce locations, I want to make sure that there's the ability to drive reviews and approves across the organization. So I myself as a small business owner can can still be a part of the key decisions without maybe causing uh, causing a lot of uh, manual touch points or or time in essence into into the process. Yes, I think those are the right processes to start going after workflows, payment automation, a lot of the fintechs to do really what they're good at to make your business excel at what it, it does best. This is such an important topic, especially in 2022, as every small business is fo fo uh, focused on cash flow issues, as things are becoming more expensive, they've got to get more inventory. Amir, where can people learn more about plastic? Well, obviously our website is one, plastic.com, and there's all kinds of information. So you can reach out directly, start with the website, and you're always welcome to reach out to me. I'll point you to the right people within our organization. Amir, thanks so much. This is AM820 WCPT in Chicago. We'll be right back. Running a small business is hard and confusing. Most entrepreneurs start a company to solve a problem and just want to focus on doing only that. Unfortunately, running a business gets in the way and everything that comes along with it, like marketing, sales, customer service, employees, freelancers, and vendors, and money and finance. Barry's new book, Small Business Hacks, 100 Shortcuts to Your Success, solves this problem. It's a simple guide for anyone in a small business to be able to accomplish one of these tasks in five steps or less. No more angst over the issue of searching for the solution on the web. Riva Leonsky and Barry assembled these tips from their combined 50 years in business, both as small business owners and as journalists interviewing thought leaders about their path to prosperity. It's never been easier to start a business, but with so much competition moving at the speed of the internet, it's also never been so easy to fail. This doesn't have to be you. Keep this guide nearby on your desk, tablet, smartphone, or under your pillow. It'll allow you to quickly bust through most problems you'll encounter and leave more time to do what you love at your company. What a friggin' mess the small business world is these days. You know, I've always been a bit of a germ freak and a prepper, but I didn't actually think I would see an economic apocalypse in my lifetime. 
but we are now seeing a once in every 100 year event with the shutting down of the economy. But there is a way through. Now is not the time to close your eyes and wait for everything to return to normal. Now is the time actually to burn your boats because it's never going back to what we thought was normal. Now is the time for small business owners to begin to pivot and reinvent their business for a post-corona economy. You know, this is my fourth recession that I've weathered, so whatever you're going through, I've actually been there before. Let me know how I can help you reimagine your business and get through this very difficult time. Contact me at 773-837-8250 or email me at barryatmolts.com. Remember, I'm here for you. Do you still have great expectations for the Great Recession? Barry can show you how to let go of failure and bounce to get ready for that next great success. Go to www.barrymoltz.com. Barry will show you how to get crazy and achieve your business success. Stick around to get your small business unstuck. More of Small Business Radio with Barry Moltz. Now on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk. So for 2022, how can your website do better for you? As we all know, just because you build it doesn't mean people will come. My next guest is Alan Cheesley, who's an early adopter of SEO and recently published the book, DIY SEO. He successfully started using email marketing before MailChimp was invented and launched products worth many millions of dollars using the product launch formula. Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Barry. It's well, good to be here. I, first, I got to talk about the fun facts that you listed in your bio here. You traveled and played rugby around the world for two years. Americans see that as a rough sport. <laughs> no it's pads. not as rough as it looks. No pads. It's, no pads. No. Well, in fact, I think pads make it easier to get injured. Uh, but that's another story. Yeah, rugby is a fantastic sport where um, people... You rely on each other, you build camaraderie and friendships, and like I did all over the world. And so it also says here that you met Princess Anne, uh, or you made her laugh at a Chamber of Commerce meeting. Tell us about that. Yeah, she was, um, she's, she's a great one for telling business people to do more. And so she went up to the front through the middle of the crowd and talked to us and then when she was coming back she went around the outside which is where i was sat and luckily i had a revolving uh dicky bow so as she walked past what is, what is that me, what is that um uh, a bow tie oh bow tie okay revolves. we just got talking in america we don't understand yeah. these things you know so so as she walked past and looked at me i pressed the button and it and it revolved and she giggled. Funny. And I thought I was going to get beheaded in the morning. Or something. <laughs> something like that. And you and I share one of the same interests, which is really long distance cycling. Um, you cycled 5,000 miles. What's the what's the longest trip you've ever done? Uh, the longest trip, I guess. I, I like to do one week. Um, so that's about six, 600K. So three, 350 miles. Wow. Wow. Four. Crazy. Crazy. Now, I, I share the same love. So, in, you know, most people these days have some form of a website. But the question is, is that enough? And how can we have it do more for us, Alan? Well, the first question most people ask me is, how do I stand out from the crowd? And you can do that with email. You can do that with your website. And so um, to get more leads through your website, you, uh, that's the way to grow your business. And once you get them into your website, then you can use email marketing to keep them there and then sell to them. So how do you get your website to stand out from the crowd? Is it all about SEO or SEM or is there something else I should be doing? Well, SEO is very important. You do it well, actually. You've, you've got 10 questions that um, would be great SEO questions. And that's, that's important. All of those things are important. But the most important thing, though, is to touch on why people have got the pain um, and, and tell people that you understand their pain and tell them that you've got the transformation that you can make in their lives to make it better. And you, you've only got a couple of seconds to do that, so uh, it's, that's what you need to focus on. But most people focus on what they can do. Right, exactly. And this is what I'm going to, this is what I want to sell. I don't care what your pain is. 
Yeah. Well, nobody wants to hear about you, do they? Right. Exactly. So but everybody. So, yeah. No, go ahead. So we want to hear about us. We, we, I, I don't care about you. I want you to know about my pain. And, and can you solve that problem? So give us an example of, of someone that you think uh, does that really well, that they talk about the pain uh, and that really would then make your website, you know, be more visible. Well, um, the, the only ones I can think about are my clients. So sure, please. Um, for, there's, a, there's a dentist who, um, who trains other dentists. And so they need knowledge and they need knowledge. If they, if they go to a course, uh, it costs them $1,000, maybe $1,500 a day. So he creates um, an online course. Well, we've created an online course for him. So that takes away one of the pains, which is you can do it online. And then you come to the practice and really um, do, do the online, uh, do the um, practical work, which cements the learning. So so you save them money, you save them time, uh, and they can do it in their own time. So once you get people to show up at the website, I find that a lot of folks have no call to action. What kind of call to action should I have to try to capture that visitor? Well, again, you've got to talk about the pain. So for instance, um, there's another client called Drafted Legal who um, they, they, they help people protect their business um, without being able to afford a the extortionate fees of a lawyer, and so um, seems like you've had some bad experiences, legal. Alan. No, no, no. I've had some <laughs> fantastic experiences with my, uh, my all my lawyer friends. Uh, yeah, but the only one who gets rich in any conflict is the lawyer, right? Yeah, exactly. But they don't, and they don't come cheap, do they? Right? And when no. you're starting up and you've got got a brand new business, you can't afford this type of thing. So. So he, what this guy does is um, offers templates, but he is a practicing lawyer. And so the difference that where he can stand out from the crowd is that he's practicing and it's not just uh, a generic template. So and his so the, the pain is it, he talks about the pain by saying you have the freedom to focus on making your business thrive. And so we need freedom. I don't want to be bogged down with all this legal stuff. So free me from that pain. And, and so, that's, that's, uh, yeah. And so, do these yeah. these things like these ethical bribes on people's websites, like you know, enter your email here and get ten tips to blah blah blah. Do those things work? Yeah, of course they do. Uh, you 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 use them I, as well, I do. and it's a fact. I do. And, and it's a it's a great thing. It, and and you know, I'm going to be talking about mine at the end as well because it. But the, but the thing it's like um, it's like any relationship. Um, we mustn't get away from think if we think about online relationships, we must think about it's it's human relationships. And before the internet came along, we had to build trust and authority through giving, helping, and knowing your stuff. And so that's what you have to do online. So um, it, I like to use the dating analogy. So if, if you walk up to somebody in a bar and you, and you offer marriage immediately, you're probably going to get turned down. But if you, if you um, wonder how they are and see if there's a problem and you talk about that problem and help them with it, maybe give them a book or, or some sort of help, genuine friendship, then the next time you meet, uh, even maybe with a phone call, um, you, you now have built a bit of trust and then you can offer a little bit more. And that's what we're trying to do with Lead Magnets. You have two opportunities. One is you've got another opportunity to talk to them through email. And two, you've got a, an opportunity to wow them with your knowledge. And I think this works because I'm a big believer, Alan, that we actually can't sell anything to anybody. We just have to be there when people are ready to buy. And that's where the relationship comes in. You just want to make them aware of how you can help them. And when they have that pain they need, hopefully you're one of the people they think of to go and solve it. Yeah, you have to be uh, at, at the right time, be there at the right time. And the only way to do that, in my opinion, is to have their email address. Um, because social media is fantastic. And there are lots of other ways to communicate with uh, your target audience. But 
you don't know where they go and they they leave you and they come to your website and and then they go away so but when you've got their email address you can keep on talking to them as long as you don't bore them like any other relationship um you've got to keep giving them more and more information and they become more and more close to you trust you and rely on your authority now you talk about that to attract the right people there are five opportunities that most websites miss what are those opportunities that we're missing alan well, um, I've written these down in a um, a really short ebook, which um, uh, talks about attract. The first one is attract. So, who are you here to serve? And um, you have to find out what their problems are, and can you solve those problems? Hopefully, with your product or service, you can solve their problems. So, you want to know who who to serve. Um, find a solution that's going to solve their problem and communicate that problem with a focus on the transformation. That's the first bit, attract. The second bit is lead capture. So once you've let them know that you understand their problem and you can voice their transformation, then you can give them something that's going to solve that and take their email address or accept their email, email address in, uh, in exchange. So that's two, lead capture. Shall I go on? Yeah, please. The third, the third one is the lead magnet, which is that gift I told you about with the, the something valuable and very relevant, but not a discount. A lot of people use the lead magnet. Is it, it, for me, it's a lazy lead magnet where you say 10% 10 off if you give me your email address. But what happens with that is you get the wrong people. So you must try and get the right people by giving them a gift that is valuable to them, that shows that you understand. And then there's nothing wrong, actually, with when you deliver that gift in your email sequence, offering them a discount then uh, because you've already proved your worth. The fourth one is a call to action, which um, you've talked about. And, you know, the, the lawyer says, get covered legally. It has to be concise, easy to understand, and it, and hit the mark. Uh, and sometimes with a pop-up strategy to stop them from leaving your website, um, that can be a good call to action. And the fifth one, of course, is sales. And with that, you need trust, and you need to build up a, an online rapport. And you do that with an email welcome sequence and all of this time, remember, you don't sell. You keep sparking action and building up trust and authority. And then that leads them into a nurture sequence of email where uh, your prospects can then become customers because they lead then into a sales sequence. But like any, any relationship, what I've just explained there is building up trust and authority and never trying to jump in too quickly. Alan, what do you think holds a lot of small businesses back from doing all of these steps? Because I find that people in their minds know they got to do it, but they never set up these kinds of sequences to really nurture uh, the leads as they come in. I mean, in fact, many of them don't even follow up on the leads that actually come in. Yeah, it's a good question, Barry. Um, they, a lot of people uh, think about themselves first and they don't mean to they're not nasty people it's just very difficult to look for problems in other people and keep solving them um and and also then they don't know how to write emails that's that's a real big stumbling block what i do is um i write a list of all the problems that my avatar my ideal customer will have and then before I start writing, I, I actually uh, meditate on, on them. And, and all I think about is them. That's all I can think about is their problems and the ripples. So if they are unhappy because this certain thing isn't working, who else in their life does that affect? And so if you can really think about all of those things and try and solve all of that, that's when you can start writing and you'll find it very easy.
And with email marketing, do you find that uh, do, you, do you find that people are using that tool the right way? I mean, a lot of folks that I talk to, they say, "All right, I'm going to send out uh, a weekly email," but then they never check about how the how effective that email is, or who opens it up, or any kind of secondary emails based on who clicks through. Do you find that's a problem in your customers? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. That's a, that's that's a great point. Um, You've got to think about the whole. The whole journey has to think about the 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 ideal client. You've got to be thinking about them all the time. You want them to succeed. So, um, and what we do is we have our nurture sequences and we look at those sequences regularly and always improve. Now, if you've automated everything in the right um, email software, then or you can spend all of your time improving. So you can go back to each email and work out how many opened, how many clicked, and just keep improving. It, does that answer your question? No, it does. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I found that, you know, steadily I've been selling these uh, online classes and all of a sudden I stopped selling them and I wasn't getting anybody like for uh, a couple months. And then I realized that my sequences had broken and that's why no one was buying anything. And so now we're going back in and, 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 and reviving them. So this type of thing really does help nurture the relationship with the customer, which I think, again, is so important rather than going out and just trying to sell them right away because that doesn't really the way it works in real life. No, you're right. That's, that's exactly right. Um, why be different online? In fact, you should be even more cautious online. You, it's harder to build a relationship. So why not um, do it the right way? And that's, and that's by uh, understanding who they are and trying to help them. That's what we do in real life, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Alan, I appreciate you being on the show. Where can people learn more about you and perhaps get your lead magnet? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Well, um, it's been a real pleasure and thanks. It's been fun. Um, so if, if people want to find out about the company, just Google Flow Online Marketing. F-L-O-W, so Flow Online Marketing, and you'll get us. Um, and there'll be uh, an opportunity to download our ebook, which is called Stand Out from the Crowd. Alan, thanks for joining this week's radio show. And I want to thank everybody, especially our sponsor, Nice Job, the amazing tool that can make it easy to build more reviews to grow your business. Go get started at www.nicejob.com and use the code Barry for $50 off. Thanks to our incredible staff who are still working hard in the studio while I'm working from home. Our booking producer, Sarah Schaffrin, our in-studio producer, Lady B, our marketing manager, Courtney Gilchrist. If you're serious about being successful in 2022, you got to give me a call. I've set up a private line for you, 773-837-8250, or email me at barry at Remember, love everyone, trust a few, pal your own canoe, get out there and get vaccinated, get boosted. Have a profitable and passionate week. You can find Barry Maltz on the web at barrymaltz.com or more episodes of Small Business Radio at smallbizradioshow.com.